Hey, everybody, and welcome to Invested. I'm Danielle Town. My dad and I got to interview JJ Virgin, who wrote the best selling diet book, The Virgin Diet. She has a new book out about her mindset for success, and she has some great ideas for success in investing, especially about being regularly and specifically thankful, which of course dad and I totally loved. We kept chatting for two podcast episodes, and this is the second of our two episode interview with JJ Virgin. Enjoy. Because let me, let me tell you who, who we're talking to. Our podcast is going out to so many people who are starting to realize that if they keep doing what they're doing, they are going to be in desperate financial problems by the time they get to retirement. And they're looking for some way to break out of um, the mindset that is taught in all financial advice in the entire financial services industry. And that is that you can't invest on your own. And as a result, you're stuck in a certain limited rate of return. And you do the numbers and you realize I'm screwed if I do that, if I follow <laughs> what they say. So the the problem that most people get into is that, you know, the 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 path down which you go to become very successful financially as an investor is a very well beaten path. People have been doing this kind of investing, this sort of value investing, you know, for 85 years and it's been successful for huge numbers of people. And yet people run into all sorts of things that prevent them from doing this. And this podcast- Which are very real. Which are very real. Real problems in their lives to find time, to find the ability, to find the knowledge. To overcome fear. To to overcome overcome fear. Oh, but you know what? I'm sorry. No, those are all. Ex- I'm. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone listening. But this is actually awesome because it means you can change it. Those are all. I had an amazing mentor early on in my like late 20s, and every time someone says that I don't have time, you know, I don't have enough information. I blah blah whatever that is. The thing she put at the end of that is so I don't have to. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's good. right. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, boy, did I just do a so I don't have to statement, oh, you know, like, because if anyone could have said, I don't have time to work out, I, I don't have time to be able to pull this book off. I, so I don't have to. Right. Yeah. We get no do overs. There are no second chances. You've got to take responsibility for these things. And the biggest way you can start to make a change in every area of your life is to find those habits. And it may be that Danielle that habit of meditation like I personally don't meditate I don't do yoga and I don't meditate yes I'm a health person I don't do them they don't work for me Mm -hmm. I tap instead because it's very active and I love to do burst training those are my meditation Mm -hmm. so you find the one that works for you Right. And so if you're finding that you only reach for those things when when, you know, it hits the fan, maybe that's not the thing that really dials in your day on a regular basis. Cool. Cool. So don't don't get away from this thing. I want I want to come back. You attach it to a bigger why and you anchor it. This is the process that you said would make it. okay. get go into that. I I don't want to lose that. Well, you know, I mean, I clearly had the big why with this. And I think for so many of us, and come on, like I spent 30 years with people. I do two types of coaching. I coach health entrepreneurs and business, and I coach I coach in weight loss. What do people tell me in weight loss? I'm going to try it. I'm like, try it. Try it. Let's go back to what you're here now, and where do you want to be, and what does that look like? And get so clear on that so that when a cookie shows up, you're like, oh, hell no. I'm not touching that because I know where I'm going. You've got that super 
anchor, if you're so clear on what you want to do, because I think a lot of what people have in investing is like, I don't understand that. So I don't have to, or that's a little scary because I'm going against the status quo, which will keep us, you know, locked in to these, you know, low late rates of return. You can never get out of, you can't even match. <laughs> you can't even match inflation with them. I'm exactly. like, how would this work? And then you get a recession and you're out, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like crazy. Right. So, you know, but it's scary to go against if you're not if you're not around the right people. And that's another reason why you have to be around the right people. You know, you're going to be around the the um, fixed fixed mindset people. The victims will say, oh, no, don't do that. And again, they're not doing it to be mean. They're trying to protect you. But if you have that bigger why and you surround yourself with with other people who live that way, who for them risk is 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 the way that you live through your life because you understand that if you really want to live a big life, you have to step out there when instead of running away from something, you have to step into it and lean into it. And that's two of the other really key areas here in this idea of a miracle mindset is being courageous and being open to possibility, being an abundance minded thinker, you know, deciding grant was going to be 110%. I anchored that so tightly down that Grant was going to be 110%. I was already envisioning his life when he came through this, what he was going to do, be able to do out in the world to be a spokesperson for brain injuries and that you can actually heal them and you Mm -hmm. can be better than before. And, you know, when he's suicidal and telling me he has no purpose, I go, here's what you're going to be doing, you know? So So, JJ, then an anchor is, uh, an anchor is, is, is what? what? What's an anchor? Yeah, I wanted to try <laughs> so, to think about how you just did it with Grant. You just so, anchored Grant. So an a, anchor yeah. is that is that big. You, you've heard the big, hairy, audacious goal. It's that stretch goal. It's that thing that's going to keep you moving. So for me, like I knew that the Virgin Diet had to be a huge success because I needed to save my son's life. Mm-hmm. That was my anchor in all of this. Was that this had to go because I had a big. It's my big why is my anchor. Okay. Okay. So a bigger why and, and, and then you anchor it when you said, when you said, um, attach it to a bigger why. So you're saying, all right, I need to get this thing out and make it successful because I need to save my son's life. So this is this huge, bigger why. And what we see with people who are starting to think about investing on their own, they've got a big why out there. Everybody's got that big why, right? I need more money. But it's maybe not but, no, no, no. That's not a big why. But yeah, I be- need more money. Enough. Like that, I need more money because because I, I want something different to... in my life. Because well, but, I want but because to of what what is it though? Like things. you have to get yeah. so darn specific as to what's that life look like. What do I want to be able to do when I have that? What does it do? You know, like. I had already, it wasn't because I wanted to save my son. I already was envisioning what my son's life was going to be like with all of this. So it has to get super clear because I, this is, this is, I'll go back to weight loss. I want to lose 30 pounds and I'd say, all right, why? You know, well, because I want to like fit into my clothes. Why? You know, we get to keep going through it until we got to the real reason behind all of this, which may be, so I'll feel good enough. I would think a lot of, of investing is tied to your your um, emotional self-worth, not your financial self-worth, you know. But whatever it is, you've got to get that piece in. Man, that's just huge. Okay. So you say, I've got the bigger why. Is anchoring it another step or is that the same thing? No. So 
So where I started with all this is I identified the seven, the seven attributes that I saw. Again, I went through and I looked at so many of the people who I see out there who just, just are inspiring because I view success as someone who's really they've left the place better than they found it. They really made an amazing impact out in the world. And so those people are resilient. They take action. I am amazed how many people talk and don't do Hmm. because they're, they're afraid to make a mistake. Um, I, I say take inspired and perfect action. I have never done anything perfect in my life. Just never have. I fix as I go. So it's the willingness to take action. I, I've been working a lot in the course with dealing with people who have that perfectionism thing. Um, and it's another, so I don't have to, it's not ready yet, so I don't have to. Living with that abundance mind, your limitations will become your life. You have to be able to think outside of where you are. That's being open to possibility, being able to live in the present. This was a huge one before my son got hit, I will admit. I was so not in the present. I was always focusing on my next big thing. And as I got one thing, my goals expanded before I even finished the first thing. I'd go to the next one and never celebrate those small wins. Mm. And uh, when my son was in the hospital and I did the whole 110% decision, I got there 1% at a time. You know, today his eyelids fluttered. Mm. It was that small of a thing, but that's, you know, just thinking about investing, you'll make these decisions and plans and then you'll have key performance indicators to tell you, you know, where you should be going. And then you'll, you'll get to your goals 1% of the time. Hmm. I think sometimes we think, okay, I want, you know, I want to have $10 million in the bank and I'm going to your investing seminar. So I'll be able to do that in a year. Right. <laughs> and they're starting in the negative, <laughs> like, eh, probably not, but you have that, you have that why attached back to it. Right. Um, being cool. courageous. That's, that's, like you look at courage, being courageous, strong, and resilient. So you have a situation that might be a little scary. Like, and I'll take it over to investing. You've always been told that you should have a 401k and you should have, you know, have your company match and put it all in there and be low risk and do it into a, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, a mutual fund. And now you're going to decide to start taking investing into your own hands. And that is going to be a little out of your comfort zone and it's going to require courage and you step in and do it and you face that fear and you have success. You get some competence, makes you more confident. You get stronger. You keep doing that that comfort sand keeps expanding, you become resilient. So you need the courage to, to lean in instead of running away. That makes you stronger. And then over time, you build that resilience. Every time you do it, you become more resilient. So as you do this process, your mind becomes and your I get your spirit becomes more resilient, meaning you can take on bigger storms in your life, you can take on more challenges, I, I would think. And I'm, I'm reminded of this um, of this story that this guru told once about the difference um, of, of sort of stress on a resilient personality or a resilient nervous system versus somebody's that's quite rigid and and is standing. It's, it's like it's like a woodsman goes up to an oak, which is really strong and he hits it with an axe and the oak, you know, has this wooden chip come out. And it's that missing chunk, that piece never goes back. It's always is a hole in the oak, right? And then you take that same ax with the same strength and you hit the sand with it 
It makes a bigger hole, but the hole doesn't last that long. It, it repairs itself over time. And then if you move over to water into the pond and you swing that axe into the water, it makes a bigger hole, which is almost immediately disappears. And the point that he was trying to say is that our nervous systems can become more capable of handling bigger and bigger stresses. And yet the reaction that we have to it is less and less over time. In other words, we stay more balanced, we stay more centered, we stay uh, more comfortable in greater and greater amounts of stress. There, is that kind of the same air thing you're pointing at with resilience? Totally, it's it's that whole, again, I, it's actually, mindset as a muscle is a perfect metaphor because as you learn how to handle these things, and the best example is Bryce, my son Bryce was 15 when this happened. He was the one that said, we'll take those odds, right? And yeah. he walked up to my son, Grant, and Grant's on a gurney. He's got a ventilator. He's got a tube out of his brain, keeping the pressure off his brain. You know, a central line glass down his body with road rash, rubbed raw, bone sticking out. And Bryce goes, dude, <laughs> dude, you look really ugly right now. But if anyone can pull through this, you can. Oh, you are super tough. And I'm like looking, I'm looking at Bryce going, I'm like completely falling apart and Bryce is holding it together. And my son Bryce is, how do you rattle a kid after he's gone through that? You know, I mean, it's, it's as you go through these things in your life, the next big thing that hits, you're like, oh, I've trained for this. I know how to handle this, right? I fortunately, before this hit, I'd gone through, you know, sitting with my dad with cancer as he died, you know, telling him, dad, I've got mom, you can let go now. You know, I'd gone through challenging situations because, you know, the deal with Grant, I had some people say, oh, well, you know, you talk about this and your son lived. And so you're talking about living to expect miracles. I go, that's not the point. If this isn't the point of the book, wasn't whether he lived or died. It's how we showed up throughout all of it. Oh, it's well how said. I showed up when my dad was dying of cancer and, and, and telling him, looking at him, holding on to take care of my mom and going, okay, you got to let go. It's like time to let go. It's being able to learn those things and go, all right, every time I approach another situation, it's like, you know, okay, I got this. And you could, you could correlate that back to investing and having someone who's now going to make the leap out of what they consider to be safe, which is not safe at all, as we know, into taking this into their own hands. And every time they do it and they start small and do it, they go, oh, all right, right? And they're just improving their stress tolerance. They're improving that resilience. It's very, very, very good. I love that concept of, of resilience and, and the way to build it is something you're teaching now. I mean, it's so cool that you're bringing this out in the world. JJ, I'm really, really, really appreciative of it. And I think that the idea that People who have gone through a lot in their lives um, have actually, that there's something that's really there for them, that they get a benefit from that. Because often we think, you know, I've just been beaten up. Yeah. Um, but there's something really going on there. We, you know, what, what we try to do is we try to get people focused on investing in, in um, things that they already understand, the, that their life experiences are very, very important to the investing process. And honestly, I don't think we spend enough time on on the mindset and and the idea that the mindset is a muscle that can be built 
is just a phenomenal concept. I love it. It's a concept that's actually similar, I think, to Nicholas Taleb's idea of anti-fragility. It is. Which is the concept that hard times, tough things that happen actually cause you to become stronger, cause you to become more able to handle these things that are coming in the future rather than it sort of tearing you down and then building you back up. It actually, in that moment, strengthens you. And that's, and that's JJ, we sort of teach an investing strategy that's, that is anti-fragile. That is, it's not strong. It's, it, it, meaning that anti-fragile is, a, we don't really have a, a word for it in the English language. We have fragile, which we understand. I mean, he wrote an entire book trying to define it. Because yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> his, his magnum opus is trying to define the word anti-fragile. But he understands that that um, fragile is an investing strategy that's fragile um, requires everything to go well. And if anything doesn't go well, if something comes out of left field, which is something like a, he says, like a black swan, you don't expect to see it. You expect to see white swans, but black swans do exist. And black swans in investing are the classic problem with modern portfolio theories that they come along much more often than would be predicted by uh, um, simple statistics and they blow up people's portfolios and they they change their whole lives and they make disasters out of out of their their finances and Taleb's idea is that a good investing strategy should be one that doesn't just handle these black swan events it actually does better in black swan events and Warren Buffett strategies are incredibly anti-fragile if you think about it because what we're looking for is to find something that's really really wonderful and that we can buy super on sale and that really doesn't happen that often unless there's some black swan event going on yeah we're actually looking for them we're looking for a black swan they help us they help us absolutely help yeah. us and so and that's exactly what you're saying with that's exactly what i'm saying yeah. life and, the, and saying hard times actually helped you yeah. And, but the average person doesn't lean in when this happens. They run away. And what I'm saying is when those things happen, instead of going, oh, my gosh, this is scary. I'm out of here. Right. You go, oh, my gosh, this is scary. I'm I'm in here. You know, this 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 is a mindset. I mean, I'm this is an absolute mindset. This anti-fragile mindset is, is this idea that when something comes at me that I'm afraid of, I'm stepping into it is huge. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with special operations people and they they search through the military. They have a sifting process that searches through the military to find people who have that mindset. They're looking for that guy who is stepping into that problem that gets stronger when those problems are coming along. Well, they actually almost seek them out. They seek the challenges out. We're never better than when we're challenged. Like it's boring when we're not. You know, and here's my my litmus test on it is when things are safe and they're easy, you're just not playing big enough. You're not stretching yourself. You're sticking in your comfort zone. And that's what you'll get. Right. That's, that's the kind of like you'll have. You'll have an uninspiring life. And I mean, that's that's I mean, an uninspiring life. I don't know. Maybe maybe people aspire to a life that's just safe, you know, uh. My think? dad had a safe life. Like I look at my parents, um, I'm adopted. So it's very interesting to find my adopted, my birth parents are like one side of the family were major entrepreneurs. The other side were major scientists. It was so interesting hmm. to find them. 
And my dad was the guy, my my adopted dad was the guy who spent his whole life working for the one company because his ship was going to come in when they, you know, when they got bought. Yeah. And I mean, right? yeah, that sad death of the salesman type of story that you, yeah. you hear. About. That's, sort of Rob, that's sort of Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, yeah. rich dad, poor yes. dad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that same thing. And we went to the same place every year for vacation. You know, it's it, that whole thing. You're like, ugh. i'll tell you i know i know exactly and uh, but i don't know that you know i don't know that um everybody feels like you do and everybody feels like i do i don't know everybody's looking for a life of great adventure and danger and wants to be a special operations person but there's things that we can get from people who have who have accomplished amazing things in their lives. They've, they've taught us that there's certain things we need to do better, even if what we're aspiring to is just let me get my kids through college, you know, just right. let, let me have a decent retirement so I'm not dependent on the children or the government. And, you know, it, it, and I think... I don't think that's a just. I think that's a beautiful life that somebody w might want. It is. I don't think yeah. that it's like that's just all you're going to have. But I, I think, think the takeaway is it's not going to happen without taking risk. There you right. go. Yeah. That's the, it's not that's there the is no paradox. playing and, safe is actually so the riskiest thing you could ever do. That's the paradox. Isn't that just the paradox of it all? It's it's that all you want to do is play safe. And this and this is this is getting me in a deep place because my dad and my mom came from two entirely different worlds. Her side of the family, a bunch of Arkansas redneck entrepreneurs who got <laughs> blown out of Arkansas when the TVA filled up a dam and flooded the farm, okay? And they never stopped being entrepreneurs. They just went forward into the depression and they just went through it and, and made everything work. And she didn't understand my dad's mindset, which was to be very, very risk averse because his father, had stayed with Standard Oil through the Depression. Even though it was part-time, he still got paid. So my dad just stayed with Standard Oil no matter what, you know, and wouldn't take any entrepreneurial chances. And it just drove my mom nuts. And just, you know, the, the conflict all through my growing up was between her, you know, emphatic desire to break out and do exciting things that took risk, and my father's emphatic desire not to take risk. And the you know the, the conflict that went on there, and so I and I really get it. I mean, this and is... now you're stuck with me, your risk averse <laughs> lawyer daughter, <laughs> trying to figure out what on earth to do with money. It's, it's great though because I think that that's the opportunity is is to take the risk adverse to take the person who maybe would start to go closer to a more of a fixed mindset and to, to help them move into that growth mindset and it doesn't mean we're going to take you and next weekend you're going to be doing a special ops training program you know right, right. it's it's how do you start what are the baby steps to start expanding that comfort zone right and right. and a lot of these things as silly as it sounds that this could do it even just starting the day in gratitude can start expanding that. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful nope. suggestion. I think, so you said, just to recap, make sure I've got this right. So start the day with gratitude and then end the day with your wins from that day. Was there anything else that's a daily practice of yours? 
So I have what I call, um, there's, I have some hacks. There's a couple other areas of the miracle mindset. One of them is being collaborative and a big part of being collaborative. And it's why my son's here is not just, um, helping other people. Cause I find a lot of us are super good helpers and, and not good askers for help because it's so vulnerable, but it's going both ways. It's being able to help other people and then accept help in return so that we all go up together. But I'll tell you one of the biggest ones, and I use those as the frame of my day. And then I have what I call these hacks that I keep in my back pocket for when I need them. And one of them is, is being able to actively forgive. Hmm. And I never would have realized this, but it's not enough to just say, oh, I'm not, you know, like the woman, my son was a victim of a hit and run. Not only did this woman hit him going about 40 miles an hour, she got out of her car, looked, saw what she'd done and left no, the scene. No, no, no. Yes. Yes. Now, when this all happened, it was like a witch hunt in the neighborhood, you know, and I live in, at the time I was living in Palm Desert. And that whole area, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, was like a witch hunt for this woman. So someone saw her and, do that, but wasn't able to identify the car? Yeah. So my neighbor was, when this happened, he didn't see her hit him. He only saw her get out of the car, gasp, and get back in the car. He caught half of her license plate, but he was on the phone to 911 at the time, huh. as you can imagine. And the reality yeah, is, which, which would I have shoes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and when this all happened, the big question I kept getting asked by everybody was, you know, did they find that woman? Right. And I'm going, I don't know if they found that woman. I'm over here saving my son. Like, I can't work, uh, you know, worry about that at this point. And I actually never focused on it. We had a group of people who wanted to put this whole award together, reward to find her. And I'm like, just, you know, hey, like, put that energy towards my son because finding her is not going to change a thing. Yeah. And. I don't even know what her role was here. Granted, she shouldn't have driven off, but what if he walked in front of her car, you know? Right. So I never felt, I wasn't holding any grudges against her, but I also had never I, I, forgiven her. I just didn't think about it. And what I realized is that forgiveness is actually an active process. It's not enough to say, oh, well, you know, let's not go after her. I actually had to actively forgive her, actively forgive my son, actively forgive myself because he wanted to go to martial arts. I was like, you know, you can imagine for months, like, why didn't I just let him go to martial arts? You know, mm. <laughs> like this whole thing would not have happened. So I was a lot of, lot of issues there with me feeling like, ugh. That's but a big uh, one. I think a lot of yeah, people that was about a big forgiving one. others, but not themselves. And well, I went to this um, this thing. My buddy Dave Asprey saw kind of where I was at with this. And if you're kind of feeling a lot of anger or you're not feeling big joy, chances are you've got some grudges. You've got like a grudge closet going, which is what I had. I had a little grudge closet going, and that was always my technique. If someone did something I was upset about. I just would put it, I called, I put it in my closet, which got super full. And, uh, and so Dave said, you know, I want you to come to this neurofeedback training with me. And it turns out it was a week long, 10 to 12 hours a day in these chambers doing forgiveness protocols. Whoa. And, and the chamber, when you're wearing neuro, these electrodes on your head, you can tell if you're cheating or not. So you can tell if you're actually forgave the person if it really worked or not, which is amazing. And so as I got through this, first thing I'm thinking about all the people I have to forgive and I'm thinking I need a lot more time here. You know, there's a lot of people. But I realized that in reality, the biggest person you'll ever have to forgive is yourself. 
Yeah. Do you, do you and, have a process huh? for that? For yes. And it is, this is the most amazing thing because who would have ever thought like this is something you would have to be actively doing. And I, I noticed it a couple weeks ago. Someone did something to me. And at first I was like venting to other people. I couldn't believe they did it. Blah, 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 you know. And, and I'm still mad weeks later, mad. And I thought, what am I doing? I know how to do this. I have to forgive this person. And then I was set free. And so what you do is you first identify, you know, what that person did that, that wronged you. And you go all through it. And you're, you can talk it out loud or you can do it in your head, but you are. You can write it out. But it is everything they did and all the emotion behind it and how rotten they were to do it. Like, you know, this woman hit my air them out and you have you've already identified like you create your little your little jury your judges in front of you so you can pick three whoever you want them to be mythical creatures like i had aslan from narnia as one of mine <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> Some of my things. like i love i love the chronicles of narnia and star trek are like little dirty uh, little secrets i don't tell people that's what I just did. but i had uh, you 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 air your grievances and then you step into the other person's shoes hmm. and you feel what it was like from their their point of view. And you get as empathetic as you possibly can over there. And I looked and I thought, you know, this woman who was driving this other car, what if she didn't hit him? What if he ran into her car? And she was just in such a state of shock and all she could think about was the fact that she had her kids at home and you know, if she did this, she was going to have her babies taken away from her and she'd be in jail and she's a single mom. And I, I just went through all the, that part. And, and then you have to forgive the person. Once you've gone through their complete side, you forgive them and you have to really forgive them. And then you have to check in with the judges to make sure you really did that. There's no emotional charge left to it. And it's amazing how freeing that is to do. Like that person I was angry about that I was like, you know, I kept venting to everybody. I'm like, I, and I'm going, why am I doing this? Like, what the heck? You know, it's just gone. There's no emotional charge left there. So that's really the key is like, if you're thinking about someone or yourself in a situation, there's an emotional charge there. That's where the work comes in. Do you think it's helpful to do that because it is one less thing to think about? <laughs> I mean, you just mentioned that you were putting all this mental energy towards. <laughs> I mean, where does it directly help the miracle mindset to forgive people who have wronged you? Gosh, it just keeps so much anger and resentment in you. Like you can't feel joy and be free if you're sitting there like angry at somebody. Hmm. How can you have a have, have a great positive mindset if you're if I'm sitting there thinking, you know, not being able to really live with any kind of real joy. I went through this whole thing with Grant and here he is coming through the other side of it and I'm not happy. I'm just flatlining. You know, I think it's a great way to start working through some of the PTSD that we all end up having yeah. is to just go through the forgiveness because there's, and, and ultimately, and you called it, Danielle, the ultimate person you will end up forgiving is yourself. JJ, what, I guess, um, you know, I'm wondering if somebody wanted to start up this process of, of building up this mindset as a muscle, what, what would you say is the, what, what are the steps? Are there steps? Or, I mean, what can you do right now? What can everybody yes. who's listening to this thing do right now to start this? Process? Well, so, you know, I mean, I'm so, I'm such a framework person. Like the thing I'm known for in 
my books, and you've, you've read them so you see this, is I will take all the science and all the big words out there that I, I believe that, you know, I, I've taken 40 graduate and doctoral courses, and at some point in there I went, you know, they're just teaching us bigger words to use so we sound super smart and we can confuse everybody else. <laughs> Like, I just want to know the pathways in that's, anything. That sounds like the financial happened. services industry. Right? <laughs> right. I know. I got, I, I, a couple of years ago, I was talking to my financial investment dude, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to work with you because you're using words I don't understand, and there's no need to. Yeah, good. You're using an acronym. How would I know what that is? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right? It drives right. me crazy. Right. But in anything, there's always these, you know, in science, we have, we have, biochemical pathways. So there's always pathways and there's always science behind it and frameworks. So I did the same thing in this where the, the step one, and everyone can go see this, it's um, a part of actually, and I know you'll have links for people to be able to watch the premiere and get the book. I have a scorecard so that you can, you can rate your own miracle mindset. You can see how are you doing in resilience and being an action taker and abundance thinking and living in the presence, being courageous, being collaborative and being able to forgive. How are you in those things? And so that's the first step always is to really quantify that so that you know which areas are the areas that you can improve in. And I tend to in life think, you know, we should focus on those areas we're really good at and make those better, but not in the case of mindset. If any of those places you are not doing well in, it will hold you back in life. Mm. So that is always the first step is to quantify it. And then I've created an academy where I take you through each lesson. I have an amazing trainer. She actually is works with uh, John Asaraf and um, Bo Eason, who trains on a 90-second process that you can lean into fear. And I'll just kind of give you the basics of it because I'd say the first starting point is always gratitude. And again, everything that I use are things that you can do in minutes because I know we're all busy. Like I've got a whole set of what I call mindset hacks. So if you're freaking out, you can use one of those. But when you think about fear and you really think about it, it's a wave of emotion that feels unpleasant. So we, we tend to lean away from it. But the reality is it goes away fairly quickly. And so she, we have a process that she teaches where you just lean into that. And it's just like leaning into a wave takes about 90 seconds and then you're through it. Hmm. So, um, so that's what I take people through. If there was a place to get started right now, honestly, I'm going to keep going back because it's the simplest thing to do. And it's the one that I've seen people have shifts in their life in a week because they just started doing this every day. And uh, once I get through this book launch, I'm just going to start as a five to seven day mindset challenge where this is the key part of it is just every day starting the day in gratitude, three things you're grateful for, write it down, feel them end of the day, three wins. And again, these things can be so small. What was a win today? You know, we sat down at dinner and I actually talked to my kids and they actually talked back, you know, and in a good way, you know, <laughs> so, you know, as you have teenagers, it becomes like, eh, you know, um, so whatever they are, I, I did my burst training today. I skipped the donut today, whatever those things are. Well, these things are huge because they lead to a, a control of your emotions or your, or particularly a control of of your fear mastery it, i would say a mastery, mastery of, fear. of fear and i know we haven't talked that much about our investing strategies but the essence of what we do jj is we buy when people are fearful 
and we sell when people are irrationally exuberant or greedy. And that requires that we're not afraid while virtually everybody else is panicking. And that's very, very, that's, that's a, I mean, it makes investing incredibly easy if you can do it. Right, but it really, they have to master their mindset because you're yeah. teaching them to do the exact opposite. And actually, once they do it, that's how you would become massively successful in what you teach. Well, I had a, I had a feeling that, you know, I knew where you were going with your book. I read your book and Danielle's read it. And I thought, you know, we don't we don't bring that many guests on here who we've only really had a couple, one one other guest. And, and that was Guy Spear who talked about a investing strategies and his fear too. and his fears so, as well both of our guests have it's, focused on on fear and on gratitude yeah and i it think started, is perfect for the stuff we talk about exactly it's perfect for what we talk about and i hope everybody's been listening to this has got as much out of this as i have i've, I've been if you've been listening to my pen clicking during the whole talk it's me taking notes <laughs> um which i i'm, I'm a JJ, un, unrepentant we're so grateful that you were able to come on i got asked to write this book and uh, over and over again and i actually didn't want to do it I was like, no, you know, first of all, because you know what it takes to write a book, right? right. I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But then I started to look at, I could create a framework around it and I could actually teach people how to do this. And that course I told you about is a four part framework that actually takes people through how to learn all of this. And so, you know, I have a documentary that takes people through the story and shows them what's possible and, and the book that then takes them further with sharing these lessons and then the course that takes them deep diving into learning those lessons. And then of course that scorecard. And that's what I think is key is it's, it's like, it goes beyond a memoir. It's a memoir with muscle that really can change things in your life. And again, in every area, relationships, health, you know, your career and your finances. And I see so clearly now, and I didn't know it before we started talking, because I was—I will tell you, I was a little bit of like, how is this going to work? You know, <laughs> this is an interesting thing, yeah. <laughs> but trust the process. But it does. It's like when people up-level their mindset, it will make what they're doing with you, it, it, it actually will be intuitive because what they're doing right now is being, they're being taught to do something different than what they've heard but once they embrace this mindset it would be intuitive for them to to do it the way you guys teach well, well i want to go you want to go <laughs> let's go to <laughs> when's when's the documentary coming out it starts february 8th february 4th we start pre-reg and then we're going to do a premiere of it before it goes hits over on pbs okay let's do this let's you guys get me um all the information everybody needs who's listening to the podcast, we'll put it out there on the podcast notes um, with links where they're supposed to go. Um, when's the book come out? Book comes out February 21st. You can okay. grab it early on Amazon, but that's February 21st. And then we've done two pilot tests now of the Academy and I've never seen anything like it. It actually shocked me because I will be honest with you, as I started to teach it, I actually co-created it with a group of people at first because I wasn't quite sure. You know, I want to make sure everything was super actionable, that everything made a difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for everybody who's listening. Get this book, you know, watch the documentary, get the Academy and crank up your level of resilience and your level of gratitude and... Get the process going to forgive, and this is 
actionable stuff that I think is going to make you a much, much better investor. And I think this is great for It's great for me. What do you think, Danielle? Are you excited? You want to do this stuff? I'm excited about the, the gratitude and the resilience. Yeah. I think those are my takeaways from this. Yeah, this is Yeah, this like is that's good. something I can do today, right now. So, JJ, mm -hmm. I feel like I could talk to you for the next three days. And, I'm, you know, we, we're going to have to, to say goodbye. But I'm pumped. And I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to tell everybody about this every course we do um, as a technology for getting yourself into that anti-fragile uh, mindset where you benefit from the stress of life <clears throat> and from the things that are going on in your life. And it's going to make you a great investor. So let's go. Uh, let's go get everybody doing your stuff. I think it's fabulous. So thank thanks you. for being here. Thank you so much. JJ. You're awesome. So I guess. Uh, thank you. That's it for this podcast. And, All right. uh, we appreciate you guys being here. Time to go play. See thanks, ya. everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting all you got to do to go is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, STOCKPILE, into the application form, and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion, and it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.